Well, good morning. For those who don't know me, I'm Paul McKenzie. And um, what I'm speaking on today is not real pleasant, but um, it's very important, I think, especially for believers. Um, Today is what we call the Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. Some This is uh, basically a remembrance and a reminder uh, for the churches and all, you know, anyone really in America about what has been going on with the issue of abortion since about 1973. And um, it's during this time, January 22nd, in 1973, where um, the Supreme Court passed a law that um, allowed abortion in America. And the next day, there was a Doe versus Bolton case that basically said that abortion could be performed up to the day of birth, which we'll get into a little bit in America. And so a lot of people um, are speaking out against it, of course, and um, we're going to just kind of discuss a little bit of the, my testimony and how I got involved in it. And I would like to encourage everyone, we're having that here, as the pastor said, the uh, Sanctity of Life Sunday uh, Memorial here at uh, 2.30 today. And if you maybe you have some friends who might be a little skeptical about it or, or things like that, um, or if you want to just come and support and learn more about it, um, our guest speaker, our main speaker, are uh, a couple who had um, went to China and adopted two little Chinese babies. Uh, you know that over there they have uh, had for many years a one-child policy, and they force abortion for any more than that. And so that's they're going to give their testimony and their experience there. So that'll be... I think very interesting. Well, I've heard before. I'm good friends with them, and I love them, and they're just great people. And so, um, but today we're going to be dealing with this uh, situation here. <clears throat> when I was a teen, I was living in the late 60s and early 70s, so, you know, that shows my age, and I'm proud of it, you know. But uh, the uh, I heard the term abortion, but it really wasn't that widespread at that time, and people really didn't think a lot about it. As a matter of fact, I think that's why in 73 it snuck in so quickly. And back then they didn't have the ultrasounds and the things like that, and so people were speculating a lot about about human life, and they were able to slip this through. I uh, remember dating a girl uh, when I was about, I don't know, 18 or 19 or so. And on our first date... She just started crying and saying, I want you to know right off that I had an abortion. Now, me, I was really naive. I didn't even know what abortion was. That's the truth. I really didn't even know. And so I'm thinking, well, that's okay, you know, so. And and uh, and I couldn't figure out why she was crying, you know, about it. And, and I really just didn't know what it was. <clears throat> but later, you know, a few years after that, um, I heard a tape by Frankie Schaefer. Yes, it was a cassette tape, okay, back in those days. And uh, <laughs> and Frankie Schaefer was talking about abortion. And uh, he told a story 
of going to a hospital, um, and he was watching all these doctors working on this one baby. And um, it was just a a big crowd, and everybody was around trying to save this uh, baby's life. And then he happened to move along into another room, and there was this cold room, and there was this pan there, and there was a baby laying in it with a slit right down its chest. And, you know, he was shocked, and he ran over to them and says, uh, well, look at this baby. What's, What's wrong with this baby? And they just says, well, that baby's being aborted. And he began to see the what he called the schizophrenia of people when it came to abortion. And um, when I heard that, it just it just shocked me and made me want to learn more and more about it. And I read uh, some books, uh, one especially by Randy Alcorn, uh, "Pro Life Answers to Pro Choice Questions," and really began to understand the brutality of what was going on in America. Um, A lot of people, I'll ask initially, uh, you know, they say, I'll say, well, when do you think in America uh, abortion is limited? Up to what time? And most of them honestly say about three months or something like that. But um, in America, it is legal up until the day of birth. And that means as long as the baby's head is in the mother's womb, you can abort. Now, a lot of states in recent years have put more and more, tried to put more and more restrictions on that. But you could still say that half of the states believe that you should abort and can abort at any time whatsoever as long as a mother can say that her health is in danger. Okay? And that means that includes mental health, you know, things like that. I just can't uh, see myself having a child or, or things like that. They can use any type of excuse like that to um, have this abortion. And uh, there's something that really re- opened up a lot of people's eyes was this uh, partial birth abortion. And for those who don't know what that is, that is where a baby's head was in the womb of the mother and they would shove, they would shove a needle up its head and basically suck the brains out of this baby and it would be dead. And this is a nine-month-old baby, an eight-month-old baby, a seven-month-old baby. And this practice was so abhorrent, even a lot of people who thought they were pro-death, which they call pro-choice, you know, is, were appalled by it. Because they just figured it's very easy. You know, you just think of abortion as just little one little thing in, in a mother's womb, a little parasite, and they're just extracting it. It's not a human being yet. And so that's was very, you know, that was an eye-opener for them. And the funny thing about it, that was just revealed maybe about, you know, five years ago. And this has been going on since 1973. So, again, they've been very good. The press has been very good at burying uh, this, you know, this abortion situation in America. And um, there's only four countries in the world, as as far as I know, and that that has been listed as who allow abortion up till the day of birth. And uh, those countries are Red China, 
North Korea, America, and Canada. Now, North Korea and Red China are forced abortions. America and Canada are voluntary. So, when, uh, you know, when you think about that, you wonder why we call ourselves harbinger of human rights when we voluntarily slaughter our children. There's been a recent revelation that this uh, terrorist group, ISIS, are now getting in the business of selling body parts of people that they kill. In America, again, are they're shocked at that horrible practice. But our recent government, I know how many people have seen the videos of where they were showing Planned Parenthood uh, selling baby parts. Okay, how many are not aware that Planned Parenthood was was selling baby parts? Um, it's something that, again, has been as much as possible quieted in the mainstream press, but um, press like Fox and things like that have really made it uh, wide open. Well, in case you don't know, um, there's been a real uh, move to defund Planned Parenthood because because Planned Parenthood is, is getting about $550 million budgeted every year for for their business. And so you are paying for these abortions, basically. And um, one of the things, we, we've heard a lot of the uh, Republican Party making a big deal about that we need to defund Planned Parenthood and our money should be spread to other health centers that don't do this practice. Um, but yet, for the sake of politics, they passed the omnibus bill recently, which still gives $550 million to Planned Parenthood. <clears throat> so um, their excuse, I've heard anyway, is that this is an election year. And if they tried to put in, you know, this this part of the bill that we want to defund Planned Parenthood, then the president would shut down the government, basically. The government would be shut down, and they would be blamed for shutting down the government because they don't want to pass this. And um, so they thought that they would just wait until um, election time when there's uh, a better opportunity if they get elected. <clears throat> but um, I think that one thing I want to mention is that a lot of our senators and uh, higher-ups there that don't want to uh, uh, defund Planned Parenthood, they even refuse to see these videos, and they say they were doctored up or cut or things like that. And honestly, they were cut during the times people went to the bathroom or ordered food or things like that. And they can see the whole videos, and they can see that this is just blatant. But yet, they can say, God bless Planned Parenthood and and things like that. So, and I'm not here to to push any party or anything, okay? I'm a Christian and I just go with with what the Bible tells tells me and I think the Bible tells us that the right to life is uh valuable in God's eyes. Um in 2014, I just want to show you that 
by passing this omnibus bill. Um, just, but just for an example, in 2014, 324,000 babies were reported by Planned Parenthood as being aborted. Okay, that's just Planned Parenthood. Um, in America, I've heard, you know, it's, it's actually, thank the Lord, going down, but um, 3,000 to 4,000 babies a day are being killed through abortion in America. And, uh, but if you, if you kind of narrow this down mathematically, uh, it's about 888 babies a day killed by Planned Parenthood, about 36 per hour, about one every minute and 12 seconds. So what's going on? Because this, the bill was passed, you know, we have a baby a little more than every minute being still slaughtered by abortion. Okay? So then you have to see, is your morals more important than your politics? So that's, and I think, you know, both parties, there's guilt in both parties in that way. So um, since 1973, there's been 57.5 million babies recorded as aborted. So that's about one out of every three kids. So if you're, if you were born after 1973, how many people here were born after 1973? I graduated in 1973, isn't that terrible? But, uh, that means one out of every three of you guys in America are not here because of abortion. It's something to think about. You know, if, if you're just two sitting there, you know, think there could be another person there. And how many have been killed and, and is just incredible. And of course, it's, it's through your tax dollars a lot of that has happened. Now, there's a lot of people who have reason why they think abortion should be legal in America. And they believe it should be legal and rare in America. Okay? Um, well, the life of the mother is the first thing that comes up. You know, what if the mother's life is in danger? We need to have abortion because, well, you know what? We've always had that. That's never changed. That's a case-by-case basis all the time because that's real pro-choice, see? Pro-choice is if my if I'm in danger or my baby's in danger, I have to make this decision to choose to live or to let the baby live. Now, this is so minute. I think they said it's like 99.99% of all abortions are done because of the mother's life would be in danger. Some mothers are told maybe they are suffering from cancer or something. I've, I've heard stories like that. And, and they said it would be better to abort your baby and take your chemo and live. But there are some mothers who felt that it was more important for the baby to live and they took the chance on their own life. There's ectopic pregnancies where the baby is outside the womb and will die. That's a choice, of course, that would kill both the baby and the mother. Now, these are pro-choice reasons, okay? That's real pro-choice, okay? And again, that's less than a tenth of a percent or so of people. The other one that I hear mostly is, well, what if someone is raped? What if there is an incestual relationship? Which is awful. I mean, we know that it's awful. And we don't even like to talk about it, but it happens. But the thing I just want to bring out right there is if America, you know, compromised, the government compromised, says, okay, rape and incest 
are exceptions. Then, um, depending on which stat you look at, it's either 1% or 3% of all abortions in America are done as a result of rape or incest. So I tell them, then that means that you are 97% pro-life and it would completely kill the abortion business because, it, you know, these people are out there to make money on the blood of these babies. And so, you know, I'm, of course, against abortion in any, anything but the life of the mother. But if I'm just saying America tolerated that, that's what would happen. It would practically destroy the abortion business. And now, one thing about the rape and incest, you know, is that... Uh, when you're killing the baby because of that, you know, you have two victims now, don't you? You have the mother who was raped, and you have the, the innocent baby that was, uh, is going to be brutalized and killed because of the sins of a man. Now, my own thoughts and hopes would be that they would, you know, basically uh, put this guy... You know, make full. You know, just punish him with the full extent of the law, or uh, and make him pay for that baby, and uh, never have any rights to see it. So, I mean, that's some solutions. But I mean, you know, you're you're talking about kids being raped and stuff. It's it's a very difficult thing, and you understand that. But you can't blame the baby. Something else has to be done. Okay. You just, you just don't kill your baby, okay? I mean, that's the way I, I think, and I think that's the way God thinks as well. <clears throat> so anyway, I wanted to bring, I picked off a few scenarios that I want you to you hear about uh, this one professor in Life News. I want to read this to you. He was an uh, ethics professor, and he says that... Uh, he brought these before his students. A man has syphilis and his wife has tuberculosis. They have had four children. One has died. The other three have what is considered to be a terminal illness. The mother is pregnant. What do you recommend? And he said after a discussion, basically the majority was, well, the best thing would be to abort the child. And he says, okay, you've just killed Beethoven. Now, another one is uh, Patty Mallet was sexually abused as a child. By age 14, was already using drugs and alcohol. When her hardships became too much to bear, she attempted suicide by throwing herself in front of an oncoming truck. Then, while staying in a psychiatric hospital, one of the darkest points of her life, she discovered God through a friend and became a Christian. This conversion, she said, gave her peace of mind. But after just six months, she relapsed back into bad behavior and at age 17 discovered she was pregnant. Because of her young age and difficult situation, many people encouraged her to end her pregnancy. Mallet, however, insisted abortion was never an option. Today, her son, Justin Bieber, can sing to millions of fans and inspire them as a living example of the sanctity of human life. And she told her story in a book, Nowhere But Up, the story of Justin Bieber's mom. So 
Uh, you know, some of us may not like Justin Bieber very much, but <laughs> that doesn't make any difference. You know what I mean? The, the thing is, is Justin Bieber's life is just as important as ours. So, um, and then has influenced many people. The doctors told Tim Tebow's mother, Pam, to abort her son after she became ill because the pregnancy, they said, could endanger her life. Pam refused, instead asking God that she have a healthy baby. He answered her prayers with a future star football player. So, decisions to keep babies in circumstances in which many might opt for an abortion resulted in Beethoven, Justin Bieber, and Tim Tebow. Every abortion stops a beating heart. Every abortion ends a life. Every abortion robs the world of someone who could have made a real difference in the lives of others. So that was the quote from that professor. So now, um, just recently, I, I was looking through, I always look through headlines from the Life News, and if you don't get that um, Life News, you, you might want to on the website. It'll, it'll keep you abreast of what's going on in the world, what's really going on in, abortion, you know, in the abortion industry and uh, for life. There was a big thing going on just recently uh, in some of the conservative newspapers that uh, uh, this lady, Joy Behar, um, from The View, she was, they were talking about um, the foibles of President Clinton, you know, and because um, this big thing coming out where uh, Donald Trump is, is kind of calling Hillary a hypocrite because she's trying to raise the rights of women and yet her own husband did some things. And this is what her co-host basically said, that he either exposed himself to them, raped them, or groped them. But yet, Joy Behar said that she would still vote for him because he voted for her views, which she said was women's rights. So she'd vote for a rapist because he's a defender of women's rights, okay? Just doesn't make any sense, but it shows the schizophrenia of of the pro-death camp. They are, they're schizophrenic. Here's a, here's an interesting one. Peter Singer. He was uh, what they call the Ira W. DeCamp Professor of Bioethics at Princeton University and the laureate professor at the Center for Applied Philosophy and Public Ethics at the University of Melbourne. So he's a... Uh, He's the guy that your kids, when they go to school, will really look up to, too, in the big, expensive colleges, right? And he wrote a book, uh, Practical Ethics. And this is one of the quotes from it. Human babies are not born self-aware or capable of grasping that they exist over time. They are not persons. He also wrote, the life of a newborn is less value than the life of a pig or a dog or a chimpanzee. So that's what your kids are being taught in ethics in some colleges, okay? Now, that guy also believed that you should have at least a month or so, a waiting period, when you have a baby to determine whether the baby should live or not. Maybe it has been deformed. Maybe, you know, something about it, you know, would make it that you didn't want to have this baby so... You know, he's saying that abortion 
in the womb or out of the womb, infanticide, he says there's really no difference. And I, I agree with him on that. You know, there's really no difference. It's just, think about it, uh, you know, seven-month baby. I think they've actually had babies live outside the womb, which is viability, um, you know, five, five months sometimes. And so, um, and then abortion being all the way up to the day of birth, allowable, and now he, he thinks, well, you might as well just go even further, then have a look at the baby, you know, and maybe a month, you know, uh, or so. Just go ahead and kill the baby. So it's something to think about. You know, it's hard sometimes, especially if you've been a, a Christian for a while and you know the teachings of the Bible, to comprehend how people think that way. But they do. Okay. Um, I have some titles here that I that um, I, I saw in this Life News and Operation Rescue. A couple I wanted you to just to run by you. The Democrat Chair Debbie Wasserman Schultz complains young women don't love abortion as much as they should. There's this one. Also, there's another one I just read. Um, lady who's a Christian and she says it's God's calling to uh, abort babies. God has called her to do that. So, um, Planned Parenthood calls Marco Rubio women's worst nightmare because he's pro-life. Hillary Clinton is endorsed by uh, NARAL, who's a radical group, uh, group supporting abortions up to birth, and she says she's honored that she uh, is endorsed by them. And again, the video that exposes Planned Parenthood officials admitting that they made profit on aborted baby parts. In Tennessee, a pro-life bill allows women to see an ultrasound of their unborn baby before an abortion. Now, this is one of the biggest nightmares for a lot of the pro-aborts is that ultrasound especially the 3D ultrasounds, you know, because then these people look and they say, wait a minute, this isn't a, a little blob, a little mass of something or other. It's a, That's a real baby in there, you know. Duh. But that, that's what I mean. It's just, it's just people are being fed something, and they think it's in the womb. It, it's, it's still nothing yet. And they hate it because of that. But they also love the ultrasound machine. Now, they're fighting like crazy to not make some, uh, have people see their baby through an ultrasound before they make a decision. Okay, they're fighting for that. They don't want ultrasound machines near these people. But what they, we found, especially through these videos, too, that they themselves are using the ultrasound during an abortion because they want to make sure that they don't damage the parts and the organs that they want to sell. So they're sitting there cutting a baby apart in a mother's womb using the ultrasound, making sure that they don't damage any of the, any of the parts they want to sell or donate for research, you know. So that, that, to me, is just disgusting. You know, it's, it's horrible that people could even think that way, especially in America. Okay, but one good thing is that abortion is at its lowest point since Roe v. Wade in 1973. Um, in 2011, we finally had a surge where 
the pro-life groups were 51% of the population that were polled, and the pro-death groups were 42%. Now, before I go any further, I just want to mention, too, that I know there's probably people in here who may have had abortions, okay? And um, if you did, God does bring forgiveness, okay? I just want to make that plain so you just don't, you know, think that you, you're totally unforgiven and that God will never forgive, you're going to go to hell because it's no, that's not the case. It's a horrible sin, but I just want to make sure because sometimes people really take this in a bad way. Now, one thing, um, African Americans comprise uh, 13% of the population of America and 37% of all abortions and that they are five times more likely to abort. And there's a reason for that. And I want to bring it up to you. That Planned Parenthood, the largest seller of abortions in the United States, has located 80% of its abortion clinics in minority neighborhoods, disproportionately targeting minorities for abortion. Now, there's a reason for that as well, because Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood, back in the old days, boy, That's an interesting story in itself. If you want to read something very interesting, you should read about the life of Margaret Sanger. Okay. Now, she was the founder of Planned Parenthood, and basically some people wanted to have her on a coin or something, you know. (laughs) That's how much they think and respect her. She called, she created what was called the, the Negro Project. The objective of the project was to infiltrate the black community by presenting birth control for women to kill off the black race. Kill them off by limiting the growth of population by abortion and sterilization. That was his, uh, her idea. As a matter of fact, she was, um, when Hitler was using his eugenics at that, that she was around at that time. And there's a quote by her. It says that he's getting it right. He's getting the right idea, you know, because she believed that we need to just build a, a strong, perfect race. You know what? And there's certain people that aren't in it. And so this is the founder of Planned Parenthood. This is the hero of a lot of the pro-aborts. Okay. Now, one thing she also did is she wanted to convince a lot of the black ministers to preach abortion, to preach birth control. She said, if I can get them, if I can convince them to do that, then more and more will be killed. So you can look it all up. You know, I've, I've got... Uh, this one was on, uh, I have, uh, I think it was one of the, one of the, it was actually one of the, the uh, black right to life, pro-life websites that I found that on. Okay, well, now I want to mention what the Bible thinks of uh, all of this, okay? And uh, I'm uh, indebted right now, for, uh, Pastor Ken, when I asked him if I could do this this week, uh, he sent me a paper by Dr. McCabe which helped me find, you know, get some scripture references right away. That guy did a paper on on this particular issue. And so there's some points I want to bring out here. Now it says God was responsible for opening the womb, which is Genesis 30:22 and 1 Samuel 1, 19 through 20. Um, you can look them up later if you'd like, but it does say that God opened the womb of uh, these different people. And uh, I think Samuel 1 was about Hannah. And uh, I can't remember 30, which one that was. I think it was Rachel. 
that that was at that time. Okay, and then, consequently, the children were viewed as a, a gift from God in Genesis 33 and Psalm 127.3. Now, a lot of people know this one, right? Happy is he whose quiver is full of them, right? Now, that's what God thinks about kids, okay? And childbearing was considered the one aspect or one of the aspects of prosperity in Deuteronomy. It talked about that, that, you know, the, that he would open up the womb and a lot of childbearing. And the lack of childbearing was considered part of the curse. So if you did not obey him, then he would close up the womb of your uh, mothers and, and women. So the Bible basically considered abortion unthinkable. And a lot of times when you, that's why you don't hear a lot about the word abortion in the Bible because it's, it's just not even, <laughs> not even thought of. Thou shalt not commit murder. You know, thou shalt not kill. And, and so they wouldn't even have dreamed of it. The Bible stated that man is created in the image of God and murdering a human was punishable by death. In Psalm 51, David wrote, he traces his moral culpability back to the time of his conception, asserting that he was sinful from the time his mother conceived him. In Psalm 139, many of you are familiar with that one. That's the one that you really want to read a lot uh, if you want to understand what God thinks about life. For you were formed, I mean, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Okay? I mean, fortunately, we're in a good church that talks about the sovereignty of God. You know, God's outside of time, past, present, and future. You know what I mean? He knows everything that's going on. And he certainly knows everything about us from the time of conception to the time of death. And it's interesting to note that the phrase you're familiar with, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, was spoken in Exodus 21, verses 22 through 25, when discussing the incidents of a woman losing her child. A couple guys were fighting, you know, and they hit this woman, and uh, she lost her baby as a result. That was this passage. That's where eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth was. I want to read what Dr. McCabe wrote on this one. The correct interpretation of Exodus 21, verses 22 through 25, is that it refers to a premature birth. When the Hebrew noun fruit or child is used with the verb depart, as in verse 22, so that her fruit depart, this can only be understood as a reference to premature birth. This view would explain the situation described in that those verses in this fashion. If two men are fighting and one of them hits a pregnant woman to cause her prematurely to give birth, there are two potential consequences. First, if there is no harm, a fine is to be enacted because of the potential danger for the mother and her child. Second, if there is harm, a penalty corresponding to the crime is to be enacted. For example, if either her mother or child dies, then a capital punishment would be in order. Rather than being a justification for voluntary abortion, this is actually a strong text arguing that the life of the child in its prenatal state is equal value to its mother. Consequently, the unborn child is fully human. So, 
The point there, of course, is that, you know, he didn't have to tell you if you killed the mother that you're going to, you're going to be punished by, by death, right? I mean, I think in this one point, he was making specifically, because everybody knew if you killed the mother, she's going to die. He, I think it's more specific in that law saying that if you kill the baby, you're going to die, you know? So otherwise, what was the point of putting this passage in, as far as I'm concerned? But I think it's a very strong argument to show people that the Bible does say that the child in the mother's womb is just as valuable as any other human being. So, uh, again, now what I want to get to here, because we're all nearing the end here, I want to I want to bring up again about the women who have suffered. And went through abortion, you know. Um, I, I used to pick at Planned Parenthood. I mean, not Planned. I used to pick at abortion clinics sometimes, and uh, and I know it was pretty distressing watching how some of those people would go in there. I remember one, this this boyfriend, I guess he was, you know, quote, just kind of leading this girl who was clearly stoned, you know, into the clinic to get aborted. You'd see people going in there and then come out in tears. You'd see, um, one time we were picketing in the Planned Parenthood nurses, well, I shouldn't say Planned Parenthood because I don't know if that was a Planned Parenthood one. But anyway, they opened the, opened the, uh, shades so we could, and it, and it showed a woman strapped ready for an abortion. I mean, they were doing this for fun. And basically we called the police on that one and they immediately closed their, their shades. But, um, one thing is fortunate, that clinic is now gone, and a lot of them have been shut down because of, and mainly, not necessarily because they were killing the babies, what it was was how bad their hospitals, their, their buildings were, just in horrible shape, horrible condition. So, um, but it, if, if it closes a, uh, one of those abortion mills, good, you know. So that, but that really, I saw a lot of women who, probably didn't even know what was going on, you know. And I've seen parents bring their uh, daughters in, things like that. So it is a very difficult thing. And some of you know that there is still forgiveness, and some of you are real familiar with um, Sharon uh, Sternberg. How many remember Sharon? And she uh, had an abortion, and she testified that for everyone, and she talked about how Healing Hearts is a program she got into, which helps women who have abortion. And I was given this also by um, Pastor Ken, and he suggested maybe it would be good to read this as well. So I'm going to close off this uh, time by reading what Sharon wrote. I had an abortion. I was a single woman, not a Christian, who loved to party. I had a terrific job at Ford Motor Company. I lived alone in a nice apartment. I had a brand new car, and I found myself pregnant. I was angry at myself for being so careless. Being the self-centered, fiercely independent person that I was, the first thing that came to mind was, I'll get an abortion. There was no thought put to this decision whatsoever. I didn't even know what an abortion was. I just knew I was pregnant and didn't want to be. I knew it was legal, my boyfriend would pay for it, and then I could start fresh. So that's what I did. 
They told me at the clinic that I could resume all normal activities in two days and go on as if nothing happened. I believed them. They were so nice and comforting. Why would they ever lie to me? But lie they did. I cried all the way home. In fact, I could barely breathe. The pain of the procedure was beyond anything I had ever experienced. I was awake the entire time and thought my insides were being ripped out. I tried to get up, but the nurse had such a tight grip on my arm that she scared me. The doctor never said a word, not one word. I never saw him. I was hyperventilating, and they had to give me a drug to calm me down. They also told me that in order to leave, I had to be calm. I later realized that I had to leave the clinic through the same waiting room that many women and young girls were waiting their turns. The staff did not want me in hysterics as I left. That would have been very bad for business, right? For weeks, I would cry for no reason. Then, as if I turned off a light switch, I determined to never think about it again, and for 15 years, I gave it no thought whatsoever. I buried it deep. By the time I was 40, I had become a blackout alcoholic. I would lose hours and sometimes days. My neighbor, who was a Christian, came to my house one day in 1993. She shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with me. I was so resistant, I locked myself in the bathroom. She was trying to tell me that God forgives all of our sins if we believe in Jesus, his son. That was beyond my comprehension. I never heard anything like that. I could not imagine God forgiving someone that had aborted her baby and was drunk all the time. But my neighbor told me that she had had an abortion and struggled with alcohol and drug addiction. She didn't know anything about me at the time. That's how God works. She told me that when she and her husband invited Christ to be the Lord of their lives, everything changed. I saw it in her eyes. She was telling me the truth. This was after I came out of the bathroom. She invited me to pray and ask Jesus to come into my heart and change me. That was 20 years ago, and I have never had a drink since that day. Praise the Lord. I knew I was forgiven of my sin of abortion because the Lord drew me so close and took me on a journey of reading his word, studying it, and learning how to pray. 1 John 1 9 says that if we are conf- confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I took him at his word. I believed I was forgiven, and I wanted other women to know that they could be forgiven too. So that's her testimony. And uh, Sharon's been a good friend of ours for a long time, and I can tell you she is just a strong believer in Jesus, and she has talked to so many people. I remember one time she talked this one girl out of having an abortion and um, in my previous church we basically uh, that girl gave a bit of a testimony and brought her little little one with her which was just an incredible uh, act and, and I'm just so thankful for people like Sharon who can, who can do that so thank you all for listening we're going to close in prayer and again I encourage you to if you can to come today and hear a little more of some testimony and we're going to have some of the members of our church singing some songs that pertain to it, and we're going to have a skit so you can get an understanding and other points of view. So I would uh, encourage that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, first of all, I uh, thank you for delivering me from sin, for delivering me, Lord, through the blood of your Son. And I thank you, Lord, that 
Those who do are seated in heavenly places in Jesus, and now they have eternal life. And I know there may be some people here who have been burdened with this horrible issue of of abortion, that have been deceived by uh, this nation, the media, or different people. And I pray, Lord, that their eyes are open now. And, Lord, that they can see the gravity of this. And, Lord, if this is what has been hindering them from coming to you, I pray that you will touch them now and show that all can be forgiven. And, Lord, I thank you that you've given us this day, this opportunity every year here in America, that we can at least take one day aside to contemplate what is going on in America. And I pray, Lord, that we, knowing that we are the salt of the earth, Lord, that you have told us that we are the light of the world and we are the salt of the earth, Lord, that we don't hide our issues under a bushel, Lord, but that we do speak out the truth in every way. Lord, I know John the Baptist was not killed because of his testimony, but because he exposed the sin of the king. And Lord, I pray that uh, we are bold. And Lord, show your righteousness, your holiness, and that through that people can see and see the gospel. And Lord, let us never be ashamed to testify of what you have done for us, Lord, and that all can be delivered from sin. Be with us as we go again, Lord. And let us think about this today. In Jesus' name, amen.